I'm pleased to welcome Anita to open up the word this morning. So why don't you give her a warm welcome? Got your intro. It's not quite the same without the drums, is it? <laughs> I could have multitask my own entrance <laughs> into uh, <laughs> to the word. Oh, it's lovely to see you all this morning. Who's excited um, to hear the word of God this morning? Great. Well, I'm really excited. And get into my lap, into my iPad. I'm really excited to be able to bring the word of God for you um, to you this morning. And um, you know, I believe this is a God that a word that God's put on my heart. We have been continuing our series on the values of Restore Church over the last few weeks, haven't we? And um, it's my privilege today to to talk to you about what a really important value, which is we value servanthood. So. Um, that's what we're going to be diving into today, so hopefully you've got your hearts ready. Let's just pray and ask God that he will just bring his anointing upon this word right now. Father God, I just pray and believe that this is a word in season, that it's a word that you've given to me today to give to your people. Lord God, that we might be inspired, that we might be motivated, that we might be encouraged to do the work of the kingdom, Lord God, the things that you have planned for us, Lord God. I just pray, Father, that your words will come through my mouth. And this will be a word directly to people's hearts this morning. Just come pour out for us this morning afresh, we pray in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to start from Philippians uh, chapter 2 and verse 5. It will come up on the screen if you haven't, so you can follow along with me. And I'm reading from the NIV, and it's starting in verse 5. It says, in your relationships with one another... um, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. I love that. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place And gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God our Father. And um, when I looked at this this scripture, um, I probably could stop there and actually say that Jesus was the... uh, That was all about servanthood in there, wasn't it? But When I looked into this, Paul wrote this letter to the church in Philippi, and when he was writing it, he was responding to um, some periods of conflict and and differences in the church, and they were sort of at loggerheads, and there were some issues there. And Paul, I think it's really important, the direction that he gave from verse 5. He says, in your relationships with one another. In your relationships. And Steve just talked about church. It's about relationship, isn't it? It's about family. It's about relationship. In your relationships with one another. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And that servant mindset um, that Jesus had as we um, explore that this morning. Paul talked about how Jesus humbled himself. And he became a servant. You see, if there's no servanthood, there's going to be conflict and there's going to be disagreements. And people are going to be looking out for their own interests rather than the interests of others. Servanthood starts in the heart. If we have a servant heart like Jesus did then all amazing things can happen. Jesus was God, and he gave up his position. He didn't have to come, really, did he? He was was God, he was in heaven, angels around him, but he came 
and he took on flesh. He came to earth to save us and to be that example of servant. And through his life, we can see that there wasn't anything that Jesus wasn't willing to do um, when he was down here on earth. And so today, today my, um, just exploring a little bit about Jesus and servanthood, my first point for today is that servanthood is leadership, and leadership is servanthood. Confused? You're confused? <laughs> so you might be sitting there thinking, Anita, you, you've gone a bit crazy. How can leadership and servanthood be connected to the same thing? How can they be the same thing? You see, in today's, in the world sense, it doesn't really always go like that. We have a hierarchy of system, we have leaders, and we have right down to the lower end where we have servants and people that serve us. And there's a hierarchical system that's in place in the world's eye. But we're living in kingdom principles, and the kingdom principles are very different to that, completely counter to that. And it teaches us that if we want to exercise a leadership role of, over others, it doesn't come with just glory, and it doesn't come with position and honor. You know, it's a mistaken belief that we think about that. And, you know, if you think that leadership is just about position and authority, that, that's not what it was. And Jesus gave us exactly the example of his authority, but played out as him as a leader. And Jesus taught his disciples um, that greatness lies in serving others. In Matthew 20, verse 25, Jesus said these, but Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and the officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be a servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For e even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others, and he gave his life as a ransom for many. And we see in the many examples of Jesus as a servant that he wasn't a status seeker. He didn't display his own self kind of seeking position. He displayed humility. And Jesus came to serve, and he demonstrated true servant leadership. As he led his disciples, it was all through the heart of being a servant. It was all through him demonstrating being a servant. And he will return one day, and we will see later on that he will return to serve his church, those that serve him. He is the ultimate servant um, that we see in that. And one of the strongest examples that we see of Jesus um, being a servant was when he washed his disciples' feet. By that act, he demonstrated leadership by becoming a servant to his, to his disciples. Jesus served his disciples in the Last Supper, um, and Jesus' heart and commitment to serve brought us salvation and eternal life when he ultimately gave and served us all, served the whole of humanity by giving his life for us on the cross. I was looking through some of the Gospels and see some of the characteristics of Jesus and, and leadership and, and servanthood in leadership. And in Mark 10, it says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Luke 22, it says, I have come down from heaven to do the will of the Father who sent me, not my will. Servanthood. Not self-seeking. Not seeking to do our own thing. Who is the more important? The one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, the world would say, not here. Not here, Jesus said, for I am among you as the one who serves. Jesus points out in these scriptures some truth about absolute servanthood. He teaches the real servant leaders do not seek to service themselves. They're not in it for their own interests, but they seek to serve others. 
as Jesus did. They seek to serve others. They don't want to promote themselves. They don't want to be lifted to high places. They seek to serve others. And Luke 12, Jesus says, um, as, as he serves those who are, who are watching and waiting for his return, he says, the servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. I tell you the truth, he himself will sit them down, put an apron on, and he will serve them, and they will sit and eat. This is Jesus coming to reward his servants. But whenever um, he comes, he will reward the servants who are ready. And I think I've said this before in, 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 in bringing a word, but the, the, the apron is, is, like a, is a symbol of, of servanthood, isn't it? If you, if you go into hospital, uh, we've been in hospital quite a lot recently, and when, when there's, a, there's a nature there that, that doctors they, or, or waitresses or doctors or whoever, they put, they put their aprons on and they're going to, they're going to help you, they're going to do something for you, um, th- there is a nature there of, of that sort of symbol there. And, and I think it's just amazing how Jesus you know, put his apron on and he washed the disciples' feet. He was prepared to get there. Becky said last week he was prepared to show true love through that leadership where he touched feet, ate, it was dirty, and, it, and, all, of those, and all of those things that, that Becky shared with us last week. So it w- in this topsy-turvy type of um, kingdom sort of principles that we have where things feel upside down, it's not about hierarchical, it's not about that, it's sort of topsy-turvy. The, the way up <laughs> is the way... to to, to go up you've got to go down first Jesus came down to earth and he he came down from where he was and now he is the exalted king above all kings isn't he so he he came down and then was elevated um, through his willingness to be a leader as humans I think we're always striving for position to be the the top of our game to be at the high you know to, to get the promotion to get that recognition to be there and um, and sometimes you know it, it's um, it becomes c- becomes quite disappointing to us if we if we don't get that recognition or we don't get that through through anything. So um, you know, but but actually sometimes we just need to to stand firm in that. Um, I was thinking about the church today and how you know sometimes it's a bit of a sad reality that we can have lots of celebrities, but not many servants. Lots of people wanting to be at the top, wanting to lead, wanting to do those things, wanting to exercise authority, but few people who will take the towel, will take the basin, and will be prepared to wash feet. And that's what Jesus did when he demonstrated to us. Paul reminds us that our heart attitude is to be like Christ's, that we consider us, ourselves, uh, we consider others better than ourselves. And that we do nothing in vanity and, self and selfishness. Rather, we look out for the interests of others. You see, it's by serving others that counts. And it's not about me. It's about others. For Jesus, it wasn't about him. It was about others when he came. And it doesn't matter who gets the credit, <laughs> does it? It's not about me. God gets the credit for the things that we do for him. It's absolutely about that. But Jesus was willing to become a servant. And if we truly want to become a servant and have that same mindset as Jesus, then we too need to be willing to become a servant. We too need to be willing to put on that apron, to pick up the basin, and to wash feet as part of our lives and doing church together, to humble ourselves in that. And in this sense, then, it takes me to my second point uh, this morning, which is, if you have a servanthood mindset, then it can change our perspective from consumer to contributor. 
You see, a contributor, I saw this quote and I thought it was quite nice. I pinched it, but don't tell anyone. <laughs> a contributor is someone who, on balance, gives more than he or she takes, while a consumer takes more than he or she gives. I'll say that again. A contributor is someone who, on balance, gives more than he or she takes, while a consumer takes more than he or she gives. And in the book of Matthew, in chapter 9, Jesus is calling for workers. So in verse 35, it says this, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages in the area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every type of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. And you know, today, if we think about the world that we live in, it's a world full of chaos and change. And, you know, people's hearts are just filled with fear and dread. And if you, if you watch the news too much, as you can see why you would be like that, because everything is about everything falling apart. There's frustration, there's, there's despair. And mankind has proven that it hasn't got the capability in itself to solve the problems that the world faces, has it? We've been here long enough, and we seem to be making it worse rather than making it better. And um, so w what a time for us to be involved, hey, church? What, what a greater time. Can you sense the spiritual harvest that is out there? And Jesus says the harvest is, 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 is ripe. Now, he said 2,000 years ago, he said the harvest was ripe. So what do you think it is now? <laughs> beyond ripe, <laughs> beyond ripe. But the, but the workers are few. You know, all the churches, um, you know, in church, there are very few people in this building here this morning that have, uh, you know, paid to be here. <laughs> I could probably, well, there's very few people who are paid to be here. You know, there's no obligation, is there, to come to church? No obligation um, to set your time aside, to give your time to God. There's no, um, or for other people, there's, there's no obligation on that. And we know that we were saved by grace and not by our works. We cannot earn our salvation. We cannot earn God's love or forgiveness. However, but we also do know that we were saved by grace to do good works. In Ephesians 2.10, it says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So God is calling workers, people who are prepared to contribute, rather than just be consumers. So in our world, we tend to be consumers. It's the, the world you know, ideology at the moment that we are, we are consuming, constantly consuming things from the internet, from television, from, from everything we do. We are, we're net consumers, really. But God's calling people that are prepared to be workers, people who are prepared to be contributors for the kingdom of God. You see, it's not enough to just sing love songs to God. It's not enough just to come and, and, and talk about God. You know, if, you really, if we really want to show our love for God, then we have to be actively involved in the mission of God. The mission that God is doing in this, in this time, in this era that we're in, before his second come, before Jesus' second coming, the harvest is ripe. We have to be a part of that mission if we're going to see as many people come to know Jesus beforehand. And God is calling each and every one of us to be those workers. He has created 
Um, you know, if you've been saved, the good news for you, apart from being saved, but there is other good news for you, is that God has created and preordained works for you to do. Special works for all of us to do, to be part of the kingdom, to be part of that harvest reaping. So why do we serve? Well, if we think about that Matthew chapter 9 where we saw that, I think there's a really strong motivator in there. When Jesus said, he looked at the people, look at the compassion that Jesus had, and he said, because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And there are people in, in this world, in our lives, around our communities, who need a savior, who need someone who can care for them. You know, I was, um, I, I was really impressed. We had our baptism service on Easter Sunday. Wasn't it a great, wasn't it a great day? And, um, you know, before we did the baptism service, we heard the testimonies, didn't we, of the people that had been um, saved and they had come to faith in Jesus Christ. And each one of those stories represented a story of people who went out of their way in order to fil- fulfill the call of God to serve. You know, I'm, I was thinking about this. I'm here today because someone fulfilled the call of God to serve. When the children's workers invested in me in Sunday school. Well, it was called Sunday school then. I was going to say kids' church, but it was Sunday school then. When the youth workers, they spent their summer holiday taking us to youth camp. When my parents and my grandparents relentlessly prayed for us to be saved. When there was someone at the end of the phone to talk to when you needed to. Each of those people were people that were fulfilling the call of God to serve. And each and every one of us here probably has a similar story. Somebody did something to serve God that has led to you being saved. And there are other people that need that same, that same thing. And you and I, we all have a role to do in to fulfill the call of God to serve that someone else might come to know Jesus Christ. In Matthew 28, Jesus said, Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I give you, and be sure of this, I'm with you even to the end of the age. You know, the disciples had been with Jesus. Jesus had been teaching them. They had been following his example. Um, they were, um, you know, practicing. Jesus sent them out to practice and to, to make disciples and to report back to that. And in these verses, Jesus was commanding them to go out and make disciples. He didn't say, sit in your church and enjoy some nice time of worship. Sit in your church and listen to some words being spoken on a Sunday. He didn't say that. He said, go and make. And they are two action words, aren't they? Go and make. Not sit and consume, go and make. And don't get me wrong, don't hear me wrong, there is a place, obviously, for today for us to be in church, to, to be empowered to go out and to do that go and make. But there's an action here, it requires a contribution as opposed to a consumption. And that's the point I'm trying to make here. You know, a disciple is someone that is willing to follow their leader's instruction, and Jesus was telling his disciples to go out and preach, baptize, do miracles, um, all of those things, and in turn, other people will become disciples and they will then go out and do that and we're all here today pretty much those those later disciples aren't we because we've been through that and and we're here to make disciples of others 
Um, so when Jesus was um, giving them the command, it, it was his expectation that he would hear, that other people would hear the message and that other people would then come to know the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's what co- God is calling us to do, to be part of building the kingdom of God, to go and make disciples. It, it was absolutely, you know, his great commission. You'll be familiar with that. And I believe in this dark and desperate time that we're living in right now, there's such an amazing opportunity for us as Christians You know, we're here for such a time as this. The fields are ripe unto harvest. I believe we're going to see a, you know, revival, a miraculous move of God in in this city, a Holy Spirit changing lives, the glorious gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, you know, coming in and bringing the answers to the, the problems that our world faces, that they cannot solve themselves. And Jesus had compassion on the people, and he knew that in the midst of problems, there was opportunities to bring the message of healing, the message of hope, the message of forgiveness, and the message of love. And how many opportunities do we get every day to bring the message of healing, the message of hope, the message of love to others in that same way? And how many opportunities do we have to be the answer to the prayer that Jesus made? Pray to the Lord of the harvest and ask him to send out more workers into his fields. We are the answer. We are the answer to that prayer of Jesus. And you know, <laughs> this, this is not you know, a, just something that is set aside for some missionaries going to harvest places in overseas or, or for pastors who are called to full-time ministry. Absolutely not. It's a command for all of us. We're all in this. We're all part of that. Our friends, neighbors, colleagues, families, our communities that we serve, Plymouth as a whole, our nation, our world, they won't be reached unless we are willing to become a servant and to go out onto the field, to go out onto the work field, to be a laborer for Jesus Christ. Anyone interested in being a laborer for Jesus Christ this morning? I am. Be a laborer for Jesus Christ. You know, each of us is commanded to, to get involved in helping to reach the world. Each of us has an important role to play, a God-given role. It says, the works that have been ordained and predestined for you in advance. There's a whole list of them for you and me to do. And so it's not optional, I'm afraid. It was a command of Jesus, so not, it's not really optional. And... Um, I read a while back about something that still challenges me today and actually I look at it and I think, well, that challenged me a few months ago and now it really, really challenges me now. And it's a, it was somebody who said the question, how are you doing to make the Great Commission your lifestyle? <laughs> every day, every person I meet, every interaction I have, every conversation I have in my workplace, how am I making it my lifestyle? I've got to tell you, it challenges me because... I probably miss loads of opportunities. I do miss loads of opportunities. Um, and, uh, you know, but this is the opportunities that we have every day where we are calling out and fulfilling that, um, that calling of God to be the workers that go out into the fields. And I want to say a massive thank you to um, everyone here in Restore Church that, that, that serves this house. Um, you know, there's many of you that serve from the welcome team, serving coffee, there's cleaning, there's counting money, there's worship team, there's digital AV, there's prayer, there's kids, there's church um, admin, there's management, you know, there's, and that's just a few of the official sort of roles that we have here in our church. And I know that so many more 
unofficial kind of acts of service are taking place through connection, through care, through supporting each other and loving each other. And, you know, there's, there is real opportunities for you to be involved in serving this house if you're not already serving. And, um, you know, but every aspect of what we do serving the church is connected with sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with people. In the same way I recounted my childhood, why I'm here now, because somebody served and caught, fulfilled that calling of God to serve. And Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And there are so many people out there in need of Jesus. There are so many people in need of his love and his care. And we head out, you know, will you head out into the, into the harvest field? We think about just where your harvest field is, around your, your communities, around your friendship groups. That, that sh- that's a harvest field. And, uh, you know, you can be a part of being out there and you can also be a part of, of serving through this house, this church. We've got, we've got some forms out, out on the front desk around how to get involved in any of our teams here. So if you're interested in serving this house, then, then please have a look at those forms and, and connect to, to somebody here to, to talk that through. And last week, Becky set out, she, Becky um, gave a great word last week on We Value Love. And one of her points that she said, I think it was her final one, she said, she asked us a question, do we live out God's love? And this really what made me think about my final point um, this morning, which was that servanthood is the practical implementation of our value and calling to love others. So... When I was thinking about this, God has given us, each and every one of us, gifts, hasn't he? Gifts that we can serve others and um, gifts that we can encourage, that we can help each other. Um, I I was just going through again, I like to do this every so often, and um, I think it was relevant for today, but going through again um, in 1 Peter chapter 4 where it says, God has given each of you gifts from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another and, you know, we can rattle off the gifts, can't we, that we find in, in Corinthians and Romans, just to rattle through them quickly. We've got some of these gifts are the ability to give wise advice, the ability to give words of knowledge, great faith, healing, the ability to perform miracles, prophecy, the ability to discern a message is from God or from another spirit, the ability to speak in unknown languages, ability to interpret what is said, teaching, serving, encouraging, giving generous, generously, leadership, kindness, loving, hospitality, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, you know, there's a whole list of gifts, and these are just a few of those, I just rattle off a few, but throughout um, the Bible, God has given each and every one of us gifts, and I suppose the, the important thing here that Peter was making, the point that he was making, and why it's important to us is not about the gift that God's given, but the very fact that he has given to every single one of the believers gifts. Every single one of us, every single person in this room has been given gifts. Um, Why? So we can love and we can serve others with those gifts. Um, And so in other words, um, because he's given us gifts, we all have a role to play in God's kingdom, don't we? It's not just about Steve being the pastor of this church. It's about all of us. We all have a role in there. And faithful stewards use their gifts to serve others well um, Peter also emphasized what to do uh, with whatever gift we have received. He said, you must use it to serve others, just in the way Jesus did. And that's our role um, 
And, and with this declaration, P Peter is merely echoing the instructions that Jesus gave when we looked at that through the passage and those examples of Jesus as being a servant. He was just echoing that, really. And considering the list, the list of e these gifts and the grace helps us to discern what gift. That's why I read them out, because sometimes when we read out those gifts, we, we can get a revelation of what those gifts are that he's given to us as individuals, because he has given them to us, and we sometimes need to find out what they are. We sometimes need to explore a little bit about what those gifts are. Uh, and why is it important? Well, you know, if we all play the part that's been given to us, then we perform really well as a body of Christ, don't we? If some of us are, perform if some of us are doing the role that God's given us and others aren't, then we're not going to function as a body of Christ in the way that Jesus has intended us to. You know, we've all got that role in that. Um, and, you know, we said that we believe that we, we're living in challenging times, but I think exciting times. Exciting times where we see the move of the power of God through us and that realization that God gives us that power. And we can see lives changed by the transformation that comes with the power and the move of the Holy Spirit through us, through the grace of God working and outliving through us as we use our gifts. And, um, you know, I was thinking about this the other day about how <laughs> when, when the church starts moving forward and when we start taking ground and we start advancing against the kingdom of the enemy, it gets the enemy's attention. And I know a number of people in this room have been suffering through, an, you know, a number of challenges. You know, there's been some hardships, there's been some bereavements, there's been sickness, there's been you know, some family issues, there's been financial hardships, and, and these are just some of the tactics that the, that the enemy will try to use to derail us when we start moving forward and using, you know, and, and, become, and using the, sort of the, the gifts that God's given us. However, in the midst of all of that, let's remember what Paul said. He said he's given us a variety of gifts that we may serve and love others. And so, you know, when you think about what your gifts are and what your talents are and what God's given you, think about it in the capacity of how I use that in order to support and love others who might be going through um, difficulties amongst our family because we all need strengthening. We all need building up. We all need people that will love and serve us in that. And so, you know, where there's sickness, somebody here has the gift of healing. Isn't that amazing? Where there's an impossible situation, someone here has the ability to speak a word of wisdom into that situation. When there are practical needs, someone here has the gift of kindness, of generosity, of, of giving to people in that situation. Where there's brokenness, someone here has the gift of truly loving people back to where God wants them to be, back to the full, fullness of life. And so I ask you just to think about, you know, what, God, what gifts God's given you and how you might use them to help and to serve others. Isn't it nice when you get something, if someone does something nice for you? I find it's lovely when, you know, somebody takes the time to, you know, maybe give you a gift, some flowers or something. Not because he's done anything wrong and he has to make <laughs> it up for it. But isn't it nice when somebody just picks up the phone or sends you a message, or just a word of encouragement? So I, I love that. I love to be on the receiving end of those nice things that people do for me. Um, but here's the challenge. I heard a story. Um, I was watching something this week, and it was somebody had done something nice for somebody else. And she put on her Facebook or Instagram or something. She put on there, 
this, this what they'd done, and then got all this barrel of messages back saying, oh, I'd love to have a friend like you. You're a wonderful friend. I'd love to have a friend like you. And the answer is going, would be the friends you want to have. You be the friends you want to have. You meet the needs that you need to have met. You know, it's not just, oh, I'd do something if someone does it nice to me. You be the, you be the friends that you want to have. And, um, you know, if that means you going out of your way, you thinking about how nice it is when you get a word of encouragement, when you get somebody that takes their time out just to do something with you, to say, I'm thinking of you. When you feel like that, just think about how you can flip that around and make other people feel like that on the receiving end. So be the friends that you want to have. Meet the needs that you want to have met and live in the moment of loving and meeting needs through those gifts that God's given us. God's grace will be revealed through our faithfulness to use our gifts because we are his body here on earth. I believe that God can miraculously, you know, send, you know, sparks out and he can do things in the miraculous that, you know, there might be some, what am I called, lightning flashes and all these things. I believe that, but, but generally, generally God acts through his people who are here on earth. That's how he shows that through the miracles that we do, the gifts that we do. And so if we don't use our gifts um, that are given to us for the common good, well, it won't stop God's work because God will just find someone else to do it. It says that in the book of Esther, doesn't it? You know, if you don't do this, then someone else will do it. But you will miss the opportunity of being part of it. You'll miss the privilege of being part of it. You'll miss the, the blessing that comes from you being faithful and using your gift. You will miss that opportunity to be part of participating in that. And I think that's why Paul exhorts Timothy when he says, fan into flame the gift you have received. So let's celebrate the gifts that God's given us. You know, it is our responsibility to ask God to show us how he wants us to serve him, not if he wants us to serve him. It's not an if, it's how, God. How? Because we know that he's gifted us all with gifts to help and support and love and encourage others. Let's be determined to use our gifts. Um, he's given us faithfully to serve others so that the world will see God's grace through, through us. And I think in this, when I'm thinking about servanthood, I think, you know, I was thinking about God is actually calling each and every one of us into service. Service for him, service for his kingdom. Time is running out. The fields have been white for harvest and ripe for harvest for over 2,000 years. So the time is running out for us to be stepping forth and signing up into service for our king. I was watching the news this week and there was some information coming out about the king's coronation. And I don't know if you've seen anything on the news about it, but there was... Um, some documentary, well, one documentary is a clip of the servicemen all practicing for the procession. So there were, I think, like 6,000 servicemen. They're all practicing around, um, you know, the streets of London in, in practicing for the procession. And I started to think about the multitudes of those military m people that were there, all working to go and to serve the earthly king and to be part of the procession and that, and that coronation process. And I, I thought about and reflected how they would rise to the call for king and country if we were suddenly invaded by another country, 
Um, all of those military would stand up, wouldn't they, because they had signed an oath and they had pledged, they had pledged service to their king and country. And we've seen this over history when we look at wars, historical wars, recent wars, those wars that are going on now, that people were prepared to, to rise up and support their country, to be part of liberating their country from the grip of the enemy. And today God's calling each and every one of us to a much more pressing and higher purpose. Much more pressing and higher than an earthly king. But service to see as many souls saved before the return of our one and only king, Jesus Christ. That glorious day when we stand before our king. Oh, how I want Jesus to say to me, well done, you good and faithful servant. You went into the field. You became a laborer. You served others. You used your gift well. You accessed the works I preordained for you. I don't want him to say, Anita, you missed it. I had loads of works for you. I had loads of works, but you missed it. There were, the, there were loads of people that I had called you to be the answer for, to bring them to me. But you missed it. How would we feel that day? In front of our king. In front of our king. I would feel so disappointed. I want him to say, Anita, you, you did it. My good and faithful servant, well done. And that's the, that is my prayer for each and every one of us here this morning. You know, God is calling each and every one of us into, into service for our king. That we may stand before Jesus and he say to us, well done, my good and faithful servant. So restore church in our relationships with one another. Let us have the same mindset as Christ Jesus and the servant mindset of Jesus. Let us be servant leaders, putting aside our own interests and being prepared to sacrificially serve others as Jesus did. Let us change our perspective from consumer to contributor, where on balance we give more than we take, that we may be the answer to the prayer of Jesus when he said, pray to the Lord of the harvest and ask him to send out workers into his fields. And let us fan into flame the gifts that God has given us. He's given all of us that we may serve and love others well. Shall we stand to our feet? Alex, why don't you just come and play for me? I feel like I can't see anyone now. See, we need the stage back. <laughs> just wonder if we might just pray and just, just spend five seconds or so just reflecting on I was thinking, what would we do if King Charles walked through the door? What would our reaction be? I'm sure many of us would rally around him. We would give him, make sure he knew where the toilets were, had cups of tea and food, and we would <coughs> be humbled in his presence, I'm sure. But right now, Jesus Christ is in this room. 
He is calling us to his service. I wonder what we might do. Why don't we just allow the words that we've heard to pass out of our mind? And just go about the rest of our day as normal? Or what might we say? Jesus, you can have it all. I'm here to serve you. I'm signed up. I'm signed up to be your worker, your laborer. Tell me what it is that you want me to do. That we might not miss the calling that you've put on our lives to be the person that's going to bring somebody else to know you. Jesus. So if your answer to Jesus this morning is you're prepared to serve, prepared to be part of his mission field, prepared to serve alongside fellow believers and alongside the Holy Spirit and alongside Jesus Christ to see the advancement of the kingdom of God in this city, to see the advancement of the kingdom of God in this country and in this world before the return of our Jesus Christ. If you're prepared to serve your true king this morning, I want you just to raise your hand up. I want you just to raise your hand and say, I'm prepared, Jesus, to be part of your army. I'm prepared, Jesus. I'm prepared to listen to the call of you. I'm prepared to be a servant. I'm prepared to put my apron on and to pick up the bowl to wash feet. I'm prepared, Lord God, to do whatever it is, those works that you've ordained for me to do. I'm willing to serve you, Lord Jesus. I'm willing to serve you. Lord God, you have seen every hand raised. Oh, Lord God, I just pray, Father, that you will just pour out something of yourself to your people this morning. You've heard our hearts that we say we're here. We're ready. We're ready to go into the, into the fields we're ready to be a laborer for you, Lord Jesus. We're ready to serve you in whatever way you want us to serve you. I just pray, Father, you will pour out blessing. You will pour out anointing. You will pour out gifting. Lord God, that you will help us to hear your voice, to hear what that is that you've got for us to do. That you, you will hear every day that we go about our lives where you've put opportunities in front of us to share your love, your grace, your mercy with those around us on our mission field. Lord God, I pray, Father God, that you will just speak to us. Lord God, that you will have your way in our lives. And Lord God, that we will see, we will see the kingdom of God raised up in this city. The enemy will flee. And God, you will bring life into the darkness of this city, Lord God. You will be, bring salvation into this city, Lord Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We serve you, Lord God, as you served us. We serve you, Lord Jesus, as you served us. Oh, Lord God, 
that you may say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.